Welcome to another Veterinary Team Training Podcast. My name is Amy Newfield, and I'm both the host and owner of Vet Team Training. Please check out all my other blogs, vlogs, and podcasts at vetteamtraining.com. Today, I am going to talk about and talk directly to individuals who are calling themselves veterinary technicians when they are not. I know this is a hot button topic, but we're going to dive into it because it's a pretty passionate topic for me and one that I'm probably going to keep on screaming about until the day I die. If you are not considered a credentialed veterinary technician or nurse in your state or country, and by that I mean most states and most first world countries who practice veterinary medicine have a sort of credentialing process. It may not be a licensure process. So in some states we have licensed veterinary technicians. In other states we have registered or credentialed veterinary technicians and we even have licensed veterinary medical technicians. If you are not recognized by your state as one of those credentials, then you are not a veterinary technician. So please stop calling yourself that. The only caveat to that is the uh, District of Columbia, Washington, D.C. area. There are obviously a lot of wonderful veterinary practices there, but the District of Columbia doesn't have any credentialing process set up in place. And so for those individuals, most of the time they get credentialed through the state of Virginia or Maryland. And yes, those states do have credentialing processes. So in order to be called a veterinary technician, well, you have to be recognized as a veterinary technician in your state or in your country. So if you are in the country of Canada or Australia, New Zealand, the European Union, UK, whatever that is, your country probably has credentialing process in which you are then recognized and given certain credentials because you have to meet X, Y, and Z credentials. And then you can be called a veterinary technician or nurse, depending on whatever your state or country recognizes as the nomenclature. So let's get into this because this is part of the crux of the problem why the salaries of veterinary technicians and assistants unfortunately are so low. It is because there isn't title protection and there isn't scope of practice protection. And those are two very different things. We often throw the term around title protection as if that is suddenly going to then protect what we do in our industry as a credentialed veterinary technician. But the reality is we could protect the title But that doesn't actually separate out what a veterinary technician and nurse can do from a veterinary assistant. That's where scope of practice comes into play and why arguably that might be more important than the actual title protection. I'm going to go out and say that they go hand in hand. Like we do need title protection and scope of practice. If we have title protection, but there's no differentiation between veterinary technician and assistant, then there's no value to the education that a credentialed veterinary technician or nurse brings. All right, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. So let's go back in history and just kind of dive into the fact that the very first AVMA accredited college for veterinary technicians actually opened in the 1970s. This is a very young profession. When we look at it, this profession's really only been around for about 50 years. And so there are people in this profession who used to work as a veterinary assistant and they are some of the very first college graduates. Go them, they're like the pioneers. They are in fact the OGs of this profession. We need to recognize that they helped to shape this. 
When we look at why schools started to open up, well, it really was the general public that started to treat pets more like family members, particularly in the 1970s. Prior to that, if you go back to, and I love the books, but All Creatures Great and Small by James Harriet, I mean, that's a classic. And in fact, if you haven't read it and you work in the veterinary profession, pick it up and read it. It's going to provide you some great insight as to where this profession of veterinary medicine really came from. So the book was written in 1975 by James Harriet, and it really goes back in time to the 1960s and then following up into the 70s as his work as a veterinarian. Some of the more poignant moments of the book is him doing surgery on a dog on his kitchen table with uh, the owner there who was helping to restrain. I mean, that's where veterinary medicine has come from. In only a very short amount of time span from, again, about 50 years. And now we have specialty medicine. I mean, we're doing valve replacement in dogs' hearts. That's blows my mind when you think about it. I mean, and then we can do intermittent hemodialysis in cats that have ingested toxic substances and get their kidneys back on track. We do some amazing stuff and we've been doing it all very much in a short time period. All right, so let's go back to first AVMA accredited American School for Veterinary Technicians 1970s. Why the public started to see their pets as family members. At, by the 1990s, we had roughly about 50, 60 AVMA accredited programs. There weren't many. But you fast forward to the 2000-2010 era, we now had over 200 AVMA accredited programs. And the reason for this is because the general public is now fully embraced these furry, wonderful animals as actual family members. And therefore, they demand better care. We can't just spay and neuter a dog on a kitchen table and then send it back outside. No, that dog or cat gets general anesthesia, pain medication, and it lives in our home. And it's going to sleep in our bed post-operatively because, well, that's what our furry pets do. We want to take care of them. So this is where veterinary medicine has come, but it's all been driven by the consumer aka the pet owner. So now we look back to just the profession of veterinary technology. There wasn't a profession. Up until the original school opened in the 70s in New York, well, it was your friends and it was your family. It was the pet owner who was restraining. It was the nice kid down the street. That's all we knew. We just knew that that's how things were done. But the general public wanted better care. And so we started thinking maybe we should train individuals to help veterinarians. After all, this is how registered nurses got started. I mean, they didn't just, you know, come out of the box being registered nurses. No, they were the doctor's right hand, you know, arms and eyes and ears and basically became an essential part of the medical team. Then they went ahead and organized themselves, created only one title. Wouldn't that be nice? Just one title in this country. If we could just come up with one title before I die, that would be amazing. That's like a whole nother discussion. And no, I am not going to see that happen before I die. I know that sounds grim because I've talked about death a couple times at this point, but the reality is, is we're not all going to get along to be able to agree to one title. It's just not going to happen. And I guess I'm okay with it. But what I would rather is focus on this larger pressing issue. Okay, let's get back to the story at hand. Registered nurses organized themselves, and they did so way before veterinary technicians. 
Mandatory licensure for nurses actually became law in 1935, but due to World War II, it wasn't enforced until 1947. That said, at this point, the term registered nurse or even licensed practice nurse, which is a vocational degree largely, is actually legally protected by title in all states, including a scope of practice. Now, I know I hear this all the time. Veterinary technicians can't call themselves nurse because after all, nurse is a protected title. And I want to just clarify one thing because I know that what I'm talking about adds into this larger hot button topic that you see all over social media. In fact, that's not true. Registered nurse is a protected title. Nurse is not a protected title. That's ridiculous. I mean, you can't trademark, you can't trademark nurse. I mean, it's a word. Nursing is a term. It's a verb, you know, pets that are nursing animals. We don't just sue them and go, wait a minute, you can't say that. You know, that's, that's ridiculous. Um, Nurse is not a protected term in any state. Registered nurses, and there's a huge difference. And that's why in almost every other country, except for Canada and except for the United States, the term registered veterinary nurse is used because registered nurse and registered veterinary nurse are two totally different things. And without getting into it, there is when registered nurses in this country say uh, that people will be confused They must think that the human population is a bunch of idiots because at no point if I called myself a registered veterinary nurse, would someone with a broken arm say to me, oh, well, then you must be able to treat my broken arm because you're a registered veterinary nurse. And if that person did say that to me, well, I mean, they've got other bigger life problems. There's no confusion in other countries when there are registered nurses and registered veterinary nurses. At no point does the human population walk into veterinary hospitals seeking medical attention. That's just simply not a thing. So anyway, we're going to we'll get back on this, this train that I'm trying to talk about because there's a lot of little side branches, if you haven't noticed, to this conversation. Okay. So at this point, it's the 1970s, and now we have the first AVMA-accredited school. Again, we talked about how it bloomed up very quickly, and that's great. So why should we now make sure that our title is protected along with, again, scope of practice? It is because we are being expected to do a lot more things. If we were still practicing medicine the James Harriet way from All Creatures Great and Small, Our salaries would be justified as such. After all, if you are a credentialed veterinary technician or nurse, well, then you had to either go to college and or complete a national exam in order to get those credentials, depending again on the state or the country that you reside in. Therefore, you have a background of knowledge, and that knowledge includes things like anatomy and physiology, pharmacology, anesthesia, Um, behavior, illness, disease, triage, emergency, all of those things are going to help you become a better veterinary technician and nurse. And as such, you should be given more responsibility. Now, if you are on the job trained, you are probably awesome at your job. There are some amazing on the job trained veterinary assistants But you are a veterinary assistant. You have not earned the title of veterinary technician. So I will again repeat, stop calling yourself a veterinary technician because you are not. You did not take the time to go to school 
or pass an exam in order to earn those credentials. It took a longer amount of time on the job for you to learn what I learned in school. That's just a fact. Listen, there are some great on the job trained individuals. In fact, I have many fantastic friends who I trained literally from scratch. I used to work at a general practice and the owner used to bring me a wait staff, uh, bank tellers. You know, one time there was someone who worked at a garage and this individual was really great at doing oil changes and loved animals a lot. And they brought me this individual and said, can you make this person a veterinary technician? You know, at the time, I just went with it because they called everybody veterinary technicians. But the reality is, is that a large percentage of those individuals who were brought to me, who I was told to please train, and this was in the 90s, so again, only 20 years after the first vet tech school opened up. But regardless, they took a long time to get the same knowledge that I graduated from school with. I took the time to go to school, get a college education, and when I graduated and entered into the workforce, I actually had already placed IV catheters. I monitored anesthesias. I knew how to appropriately restrain animals. I knew how to hand dip radiographs. Yes, I'm old, okay, people? I'm like a dinosaur. I can't even believe I'm still in this profession. Honestly, I wouldn't change it for the world. But yes, I was taught how to hand dip radiographs. I was taught how to do dental profies. If you know nothing when you enter into a veterinary hospital, someone has to teach you that. It's basically them giving away their education for zero dollars on your behalf just to hopefully you make a career out of this. So when you think about it, anyone who's ever, you know, helped someone on the job, you should like say thank you so much because they are educating you for free, but that's still not the best education. My professors were veterinarians or other credentialed veterinary technicians. They also had gone to school. They had a huge background. And so we have to look at that, that when I enter a workforce because I've gone to college and I've passed a national exam and I'm recognized by my state, the minute I work in a veterinary hospital, I already bring a lot more to the veterinary hospital. Okay, so now let's dial into why we have to separate out the titles. If you have not gone to school and you call yourself a veterinary technician, you are taking away from my credentials and you're forcing both of us into a very low salary. And I know what a lot of you are saying. Why does that correlate? Why does, if someone decides to call themselves a veterinary technician, even though they didn't go to school, why are we all getting paid significantly less than what we should be? Because any employer, and it doesn't matter if you work for a private veterinary hospital or a gigantic corporation, I'm going to call this out. I used to work for Mars Veterinary Health. I don't anymore, but I do work for a veterinary company now. Absolutely in love with it. Um, and honestly, there I also was in love with Mars Veterinary Health. I also worked for a single owner veterinary hospital for almost six years of my life, just one doctor practice. And I've worked for private owners as well of bigger hospitals that, yes, only one doctor owned it, but maybe 10 veterinarians worked for that one person. So I have had the gamut of different workplace environments in my career. It does not matter who you work for. I hear all the time, corporate so bad, corporate so bad. Honestly, you are not getting paid a lot of money if you're working for a single owner practice. And trust me, it's across the board. I hear all the time time like you know that we have to take down Mars veterinary health we have to take down these corporations I'm sorry 
The private sector ain't doing much better. That's just the reality. Nobody's driving Lamborghinis in the private sector. It's not like the private veterinary hospitals are paying a ton more. They're not. And so we have to recognize it's not just a corporate problem. It's an everywhere problem. So here's the reality. No matter who you work for, every employer, private to big corporations want to pay the lowest dime on the dollar for salary, for payroll. And in fact, there's a lot of magic numbers out there that says, you know, your hospital shouldn't be paying more than 20% of gross profits towards uh, salary, or maybe it's 22, or maybe it's 23, or maybe it's 15%. Whatever that magic number is, there's a lot of magic numbers out there that hospitals go, oh, this is how much I can afford to contribute to salary in order to run on this veterinary hospital. Those numbers are important because we need to be able to operate the veterinary hospital. If we paid 60% of our gross profit to salaries, well then that would not allow us to actually be profitable and we'd end up going bankrupt and closing our doors. So there is something to be said behind those numbers. It is important to understand them and definitely respect the fact that in order to run a veterinary hospital, there's a very slim margin when we look at the overall profits compared to human health care. I mean, oh my gosh, I was just complaining about this. I take out pet insurance on my pets. I do. I have four animals and I pay about $150 for four animals for pet health insurance. And I complained about it. This is a month, by the way, US dollars. So US dollars, $150 a month for four pets, four pets a month. And I complained about it. I'm, I'm sorry, but the average human health insurance in this country is over a thousand dollars a month. I mean, that's ridiculous. I probably shouldn't complain, but I am complaining, Um, but (laughs) I shouldn't complain. It's ridiculous. So anyway, that thousand dollars a month that I end up and my employer ends up paying on my behalf goes into the human healthcare system, which is why boarded cardiologists in human healthcare are making $500,000 to upwards of three quarters of a million dollars a year. I mean, that's that's just shameful. And no one in human healthcare or even anywhere should be making that much money. You don't need that much money. You should give it back to others. Anyway, that's, an, again, total another segue. So regardless, Employers have to work within a certain percentage. Employers largely want to make that percentage as low as possible. It doesn't matter who you work for. That is just how math works and that's how business works. So when we started this profession long time ago, when we were just high school kids with no education, we got paid minimum wage. People were just happy to work with animals and veterinarians were just happy to go ahead and have help. Now I want you to fast forward when people started graduating in the 1970s, which actual degrees, and they had to pass an exam. Do you think all of a sudden veterinarians were like, oh my gosh, you're worth more than double from someone who I just trained on the job? Absolutely no. They didn't. And those individuals had to fight for all of us. They had to prove themselves and say, look, I do bring more value to this veterinary hospital than someone you just pulled off the street or your cousin or your neighbor or your kid. I bring more value to that. I'm actually causing your hospital to increase their profits because of my education. And they have continued to fight and we continue to fight. We are in constant battle to prove that education has value. 
There are two big studies out there. One was driven by the AVMA. It was their biannual economic survey in 2008. And it said on average for every credentialed veterinary technician in a practice, the practice generated an extra $161,493 more in gross revenue. And in fact, that same study showed that there was no significant revenue improvement when hiring non-credentialed veterinary assistants, aka what they said were technicians. Fast forward a couple years, JAVMA did another study. It said in 2010, this study came out and said results of regression analysis suggested that the typical veterinarian's gross income increased by $93,311 for each additional credentialed veterinary technician per veterinarian in the practice. And you want to know how much their revenue went up for veterinary assistance for non-credentialed quote-unquote technicians? Zero. And so therefore, veterinary technicians who have gone to school bring more money into the hospital. Yes, we do, 100%. So there is educational value there. And there is still importance of on-the-job training. I mean, as a credentialed veterinary technician, when you get into the actual hospital, you still have a ton of stuff to learn. Your education never stops. But Harvard Business School did a study in 2015, and they found that only 37% of employers rank experience as more important than education. Experience on the job is more important than education. Only 37% of employers felt that. Still, the largest percentage of employers feel like education is the most important requirement because you can teach. You can always teach on the job. And I get it. There are some people who graduate as credentialed veterinary technicians, and they're terrible. They are not good veterinary technicians. But trust me, I trained people from garages, wait staff, many restaurants, oh my goodness, bank tellers. And I've got to tell you, I'll take someone who graduated from school any day of the week over someone just being handed to me because they like animals and they think they want to be a quote unquote veterinary technician. It's just so much work. I had people pass out on me, people almost kill animals, and I was solely responsible for educating these individuals. It was almost like an abuse when I think about it because I think, oh my goodness, I went to school. I paid for my college education. Now I have to give it away to free for all these other people who didn't want to take the time. And I hear what you're saying. If you are on the job training, you're saying, I cannot afford it. And now I'm going to put this back on the employer. I, I would hamper to guess if I if we did a poll and we asked veterinarians, would they prefer to work with a credentialed veterinary technician who went to school versus on the job trained, I would go with at least 80% would say, absolutely, I want someone who graduated from school. I mean, at this point, most veterinarians are graduating from college demanding credentialed veterinary technicians, yet they don't want to pay them, but they want credentialed veterinary technicians. This is really important. Um, right now we see a lot of green veterinary assistants working in our veterinary hospitals and we can see the stress and the productivity, well, the stress increasing and the productivity of the hospital decreasing. There's a direct correlation. The veterinarians are feeling strained because they're constantly having to train staff or they don't trust their staff because we have such, you know, very green veterinary assistants who haven't gone to school. So we all admit we want credential veterinary technicians, but here's the thing. In order for us as credential veterinary technicians to be taken seriously, and in order for you, if you are listening to this as a veterinary assistant, to have a career in this, one, 
you need to find a way to go to school. There's a lot of loans. There's a lot of you know, online programs at this point, I didn't have an option for online. I had to literally just stop doing what I was doing and go to school because online really wasn't a thing. I mean, online was developed in the 90s. I was in college and I remember them saying, hey, there's this thing called email and you can communicate with other students. Would you like that? And as such, I still have a Hotmail account. I know. And it's almost like if you're an AOL user from from the 90s as well, don't ever give up that ad email address. That's like at that point, it's going to be worth money at some point. It's going to be like all the 1980s toys coming back around and being really cool. Uh, when you have a Hotmail or an AOL account, and soon it's going to be like Yahoo, like not a lot of people have Yahoo accounts either. Um, it's going to be like you're, that's that's the OG of email addresses. So hold on to that stuff. That's really important. Anyway, so I didn't have that option. You have that option. Ask the employer. This is what I meant by I'm putting this back on the employer. You want credential veterinary technicians, help them pay for education. A lot of online programs, yes, they're very affordable, super affordable. Why can't employers include that as a benefit? If you want credential technicians, well then make it a benefit. Give college away. Give it to your employees so that they can go ahead and get that college education that you so want them to have. This is really important. If you are calling yourself a veterinary technician and you did not go to school, just stop. It doesn't mean anything other than the fact that you're cheating me out of my actual hard-earned educational degree. And as such, every employer doesn't see the benefit to paying me more, which means subsequently, even if you got a degree, you're still going to be making the very little minimal wage that you currently are making because you're taking my profession down. <laughs> that is just what's happening. Until employers recognize there's a clear difference between veterinary technicians and veterinary assistants, we're going to continue to fight for salary because titles mean nothing. They mean nothing. They really don't to many people. And so this is the importance of why we need to have individuals who are calling themselves veterinary technicians to stop doing that. Now, here's the other side of this. We also need scope of practice, right? We do. And that's like a whole nother topic. And I don't like to make my podcast much longer than 30 minutes because really, who can stand listening to me for more than that? So I know we're coming up on time, but scope of practice is equally important. If we just protect the veterinary technician title in each of our states, well, that's great. But that doesn't differentiate between the actual job. Scope of practice and title protection go hand in hand and they're equally important. And for those of you who are as passionate as I, every time you see someone on social media and they are calling themselves a veterinary technician, you need to educate them. Don't be snotty. Don't be rude. Don't be that person who provides all the negativity and the hate on social media because I see a lot of people who just, they don't know. They really don't. They go into a hospital. That hospital doesn't differentiate between credentialed veterinary technicians and veterinary assistants. And they go, oh, I want to be a veterinary technician. Or they start working in a hospital and they, they are called a veterinary technician by their veterinarians, by the practice owner. They do not know the difference and they don't understand the passion behind it. We need to educate them in a kind compassionate and empathetic way. Stop yelling at these people on social media because their knee-jerk reaction is to just yell back or to leave the profession. And instead, what I would rather do is educate. 
Get someone who calls themselves, quote unquote, a veterinary technician, get them passionate about this industry, and then teach them the importance of education and why they need to be credentialed in their state or in their country. It's so important that those of us who are credentialed, we give away our knowledge for free. That's what we need to do. And when we give our knowledge away for free, we drive passion in those who are not credentialed. We drive passion and they realize they want to make this an actual career. And once they are fully invested and this is their passion and this is their career, we encourage them to get credentialed. That's how we make this profession better. And for those of us who are credentialed, you should demand that your employer pay you more because you are bringing in the money. You are bringing in the cash money. Um, so demand that they pay you more and also demand that they have a difference in title between you as a credentialed veterinary technician or nurse and someone who is not. When you accept working for someone who pays you the equivalent of on-the-job trained individuals, you drive everyone's salary down. When you accept that others are called veterinary technicians in your hospital, when they are not, you drive that title down. It will mean nothing. This takes an army, and the army are those of us who are in this as a career. Those of us who are credentialed veterinary technicians. I'm not doing this as a side gig. This point, I'm too old to change jobs. Um, so for those of us in this as an actual career, we have to change and help and mentor those who do not and have not gone to school and recognizing that financially it may be difficult, but let's figure out how to make that happen. And for those of us working in practice as credentialed veterinary technicians, let's start with our own practices. That's where we start. We start demanding things in our own practice because after all, that's what they want. They want more credentialed technicians. So we need to demand higher salary and we need to prove our value and show how much we more we are worth. And then we need to demand title protection in our own hospital. And then from there, if you are working in a state organization, Go for it. I want you to develop legislature. I want you to work on title protection within the state and scope of practice. It is important that those two go hand in hand. Thank you all so much for listening. I know this was a longer than usual podcast, but it's one I'm so passionate about. If you are a veterinary assistant listening to this, please know I love you. I respect you. Ultimately, I want the best for everyone in this profession. I want you to become credentialed because I want all of us to make more money. And I want employers to pay for education. I want them to value education. And therefore, we should be compensated as such. Thank you all so much for listening. Please check out all my other blogs, vlogs, and podcasts at vetteamtraining.com. And as always, keep on being a kick-ass unicorn.